BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where all we do is win. Win-win, no matter what. We got, we got money in our minds, but we can never get enough. And every time we step up in the building, everybody's hands go... Where do they go, Tommy? Up! And I think they stay there, right? And they stay there. Yeah, they stay there. 
And you know what else is here to stay? The Lakers being an elite team. The Lakers being the number one defensive team in the league. And what a joy that is. And everybody's hands go up. (laughs) And they say there. And they... Okay. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, the Lakers are 12-2, number one in the NBA overall. They are 9-1 in November. They still hold the number one defensive rating in the league, and now they are actually top 10 in offense to boot, I think number nine. The Lakers are on pace to be a 72-10 and 10 win team right now. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, of course they're not going to keep going 12-2 and 2 every 14 games from here on out, right? <laughs> no, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely not. Uh, but with that said, fun times are still here. All hail Lethal Shooter or Mike Penberthy, depending on who you stan. Uh, we love you, Tan five zero eight seven nine two nine four, and uh, <laughs> Tan, we love you. Tan, we love you, and uh, Rondo, way to swag it up on the box score and put the lit in analytics. Tommy, what was Rondo's swag efficiency rating last night, in your opinion? Swag efficiency, he was probably like a thirty-two. Damn, dude, that's pretty high in terms of swag. Yeah, it's like dripping swag. All right. Uh, well, hey. Tommy, welcome to the show. Oh, hey, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, welcome, everybody else, to the show. Tonight, we're going to keep things short and breezy. We're going to quickly recap our time at the Kobe game on Sunday, uh, watching the Lakers obliterate the Hawks and uh, high-five and hug Kobe a billion times. Then we'll just talk about... <laughs> Then we'll just talk about Anthony Davis's offensive bounce back the last game and some additional overarching themes before the Lakers head into this mini road trip before Thanksgiving. Uh, but before we get to all that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more times cool coach Frank Vogel will use the words swag, lit, and turnt at his next post game interview. Because he's so 2000 and late and 2008. So, so yes, please rate interview us to get more of cool coach Frank Vogel saying all these weird millennial terms. Speaking of rating and reviews, tonight, Tommy Alexander, our impressionist extraordinaire, will read the review of the night and he will be channeling Lethal Shooter. Oh. <laughs> so, so whenever you're ready, Lethal Shooter, take it away with the review of the night. <clears throat> this review's entitled I Don't Have a Small Violin, Jay. <laughs> By Eric Swainio. Jonathan. Great work, man. I've been listening to guys for two years now, and it's always refreshing to listen to your pods during business travel or doing dishes. Hey. It's like listening to the homies talk about my favorite team. Your work is much appreciated. Keep it up. E-Sun. Very nice. Thank you, E-Sun. Tommy, apparently you and Alan don't exist, but uh, yeah. Oh, You're welcome, Eric. Um, I don't know what the small little violin thing is about, but uh, sounds lit. Tommy, what went into your channeling of Mr. Lethal Shooter? I felt like you did a very good job impersonating him to a T. Um, I tried to imagine what it would like to be a fraud shooting coach <laughs> who then seemed to be perhaps less of a fraud as time passed. Ayo, 
Anthony Davis, KCP, and Kyle Kuzma lighting it up from the perimeter. Lethal shooter. Very good. Thanks, Tommy. Um, and thank you, Eric Sueno, for reviewing. Uh, if there's one thing I ask for this Thanksgiving season into Christmas of our super awesome loyal listeners, it's that the remaining of you out there who have yet to review on iTunes, please help us get to 400 before 2019 ends. I think we're currently at 276, and uh, so many people have stepped up recently uh, to get that number to where it's at, and it's been humbling and amazing. I think we had like 30 new reviews in two weeks after I told all of you guys that I was a little burnt out. So I know it's possible to get another 30 in the next few weeks. So uh, I think Tommy has been feeling burnt out too, right, Tommy? Yes. Dude, Tommy's so burnt out, so uh uh-oh. I'm so burnt out right now. So burnt out right now, so you guys know what to do. Y'all can do something about that. Um, Also, shout out to Tony, Brian Olivas, and Chris Moore for hopping into my DMs and just expressing appreciation for the show and the work we do in this season of Thanksgiving. Just wanted to make sure that I appreciate you guys right back. That meant a lot. If you want to support us financially in any small way, you can go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Currently, our wings on the trade and buyout market episode segment is up there for grabs for those thirsty for more LLP audio content. Lastly, we are brought to you by lineups.com. Check them out for all of your betting tips needs. All right, with all of that house cleaning out of the way, Quickly, before we get into some trends in last night's OKC game, Tommy, the Hawks game, the Kobe game. So this past Sunday, we had our first official Lakers Legacy podcast company outing. <laughs> we, got to go to the, we got to go to the Hawks game as a group, sat in a pretty luxurious, luxurious for common folk section of the crowd in the section 119, which was the ledge seating with legroom right before you hit the lower, lower bowl. And uh, yeah, had to company expense it, but it was all worth it, especially with Kobe in attendance. Uh, Tommy, what were some highlights for you uh, getting to see the team that up close and personal? Uh, I know you went to the Heat game as well, but I, I don't think it was at the same vantage point. And then the added addition of seeing Kobe and doing the Kobe Watch 25-8 as we would continually look right at Kobe after every made basket or highlight play to see how he was reacting. But yeah, what were some personal highlights of yours, uh, sights and sounds of the game on Sunday? Yeah, for sure. Two biggest highlights for me definitely were, uh, number one, seeing Kobe. I, I think this is the second game Kobe's come to since he retired, the first one being his retirement jer- or his jersey yeah, retirement game. So it was pretty sick seeing him there. He was sitting courtside, opposite side of the court from us. So we were like staring right at him basically the entire time. It was a little bit distracting because every time anybody did anything, I just assumed, like I would watch what happened and get excited and then just immediately look at Kobe to see what he was doing. (laughs) And then like, it's like, did Kobe think that was chill? All right. You know, but, um, but so that was pretty, that was pretty sick. I think it's, in a weird way, it was kind of telling like how exciting this team is um, to watch and and how well they're playing just from like a fundamental level. Um, I fully expected Kobe to be in. He was there with his daughter, um, and I expected him to fully be in like you know teacher, mentor, like calm, cool, collected. Like I'm not impressed mode. Um, like essentially in coach mode. Uh, but some, a few plays happened and this guy could not contain himself. This is like, you know, when this dude was on the Lakers, I don't remember him like getting this animated on the bench. So it, yeah, it, that was pretty sick to see. 
And then second thing, what could potentially and very easily be the dunk of the year, Danny Green's tip dunk. Yes. At the end of the first half. On His the, drug test dunk of the century. On the miss three. I mean, it looked pretty sick on the replay, but when we, I watched it again when we got home, and uh, they obviously showed it on the screen at, the, at Staples Center, but... Seeing it live was like one of the most alarming things. I mean, we all jumped out of our chairs. Jumped, this yep. is like one of the one of the nice uh, things about having the seats we had is they were just like those folding chairs, and we had so much room yep. around us. So we we all jumped up and were like running around in that area, and all the people around us were were getting pretty lit too, and everybody was high fiving. It was pretty sick. That that was. When you factor in shock value, that might have been one of the best dunks I've ever seen in a game. It, yeah, maybe just, okay, yeah, some people say, oh, well, it's just a tip dunk. But factor in shock value, I didn't even know Danny Green could dunk, to be honest with you. <laughs> he didn't like, either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and not only did he dunk, it was like a super athletic off of miss three, like the ball bounce or hit off the rim so high, and he just like elevated. I mean, it looked like his head was above the rim, and he just hammered it with one hand, and... Everybody lost their mind. LeBron put his hands on his head like somebody got shot on the court. <laughs> it was yeah. it was one of the coolest coolest uh, in game dunks I think I've seen. Yeah, I think all of us were ready to pretty much because we had so much space, like throw ourselves off that balcony area because the only thing separating you is like this glass like border. But anyways, yes, that was an amazing moment, and I randomly had it on tape, which was even cooler. You can catch it on our Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Um, so. The other play that I really enjoyed was, and this is the video that got me the most hits. I think this tweet now has 45,000 views. Um, it was the LeBron James cross-court pass, jumping off two feet and hadoukening it to Kyle Kuzma for the open three on the baseline. Um, just seeing it from our vantage point, because we actually got to see just how far that pass had to travel to get to its destination and how many Hawks defenders it went over. Um was incredible and just showed off LeBron's like ridiculous court vision even at this age and uh yeah it, it that was that was an awesome another awesome play that people just marveled at and I was we were all lucky to be able to witness it in person and for me be able to actually not only was I taping it Tommy but I had it on the slow mo mode so I was able oh, to yeah. edit the video at the right spot whenever I wanted to Initially, I had the slow-mo edited to Kyle Kuzma shooting the three. And then I was like, wait, hold on. The more impressive part is the LeBron James pass. Let me actually edit it in the right way. So I'm glad I did that. Glad you guys enjoyed that video. And um, yeah, awesome play overall. Um, Some other things. During the downtimes, I know a lot of us were also observing the bench and uh, just marveling at what a huge, bulky, strong team we have. Like, from LeBron James to Dwight Howard to JaVale McGee and even DeMarcus Cousins in street clothes, just seeing them all together bunched up and standing up at times at the same time, it's pretty intimidating, dude. And just noticing it that up close, it begins to click for you as to how we're, like, the number one defensive team in the league, you know? Even include Kyle Kuzma, because he's pretty tall as well. He's not as bulky as those guys, but just the length and size that this team has is pretty unparalleled. We also had this ongoing joke of whenever we were watching Kobe <laughs> hand... <laughs> so, you know, Kobe pretty much handshook and hugged, like, every star out there. Like, LeBron and Kobe shook each other's hands and gave each other a hug. AD dapped up Kobe. Kuzma 
Dwight Howard. And every time he'd do that, the crowd reaction would be so insane to the point where I'd turn to Tommy and be like, LeBron should just make out with Kobe, man. The crowd would go nuts. <laughs> and so the whole night after Anthony Davis, it was like, you know what they should do? They should make out. <laughs> Kuzma and Kobe should probably make out right now. And then Dwight Howard and Kobe should make out. <laughs> so that was that was a fun inside joke. Dwight Howard had. and Kobe making out would be like the biggest plot twist in NBA history. Yeah, I think Staples Center would just explode and that'd be it for all of us. Um, I would yeah, put my hands so on my fun. head like LeBron did when Danny Green had his dunk. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the other fun inside joke we had was, and it's going to continue, I feel like, till the end of this season, but pretty much any time KCP did anything good or hit a shot, Tommy would lean over and whisper, told you KCP was good. <laughs> and I would just have to sit there and grin and nod my head and be like, you did, you did. <laughs> and uh, KCP hit a bunch of shots in the first half of that game and uh, just had to take it and eat crow. Good job, KCP. Good job, Lethal Shooter. Any other things stood out to you before we go to break? Uh, what about how fast how fast they looked <laughs> in transition and how crazy oh, it is? Well, I, that's what I was just about to say. Like when they're forcing turnovers, when this team is like engaged, right? And look, it's an 82 game season of 48 minute games. Like they're not going to be beating everybody by 50 points a night. You know what I mean? But when they engage defensively, which uh, they're number one or you know number one top two at least in the league defensively. Um, so they engage defensively a lot, to be clear, but. When they're really locked in and forcing turnovers, they switch they switch ends so friggin' fast. It's just like very alarming to watch. And I thought coming into this season, one of my minor concerns was athleticism, which I know is maybe a little silly because we had Lebr- we have LeBron. Um, although you know, none of us really knew what he would look like coming back from the uh, mm-hmm. groin injury that kept him out for like most of, or a lot of last year. And then we have AD, who's one of the most athletic bigs in the league. But we change ends so damn fast, and it it's really fun to watch. Um, we it's like you said, we physically dominate teams with our size and our length, and then all of a sudden, like they blink and we're on the other side. And we do it off rebounds, we do it off steals mostly, uh, we do it off blocks a lot, um, and it, it's really it's really fun to watch. Yeah, so that was. I'm glad we picked that game to go to. Obviously, we had no idea Kobe Bryant was going to be there. The other thing we did was live vicariously through the larger gentleman that was sitting next to Kobe with a cap on. And we were like, can you imagine being that guy? And and the whole game, he was cracking jokes with Kobe. Kobe seemed engaged. They took a selfie together. And we were we were just uh, lamenting the fact that we were not that guy. And uh, But yeah, overall, very, very fun game. Very lit game. With that said... We're going to take it to break now, and when we come back from the break, we'll uh, briefly talk about the OKC game and some overarching trends and themes that we've seen from the Lakers thus far before they head out into this mini road trip and the schedule gets uh, significantly tougher in December. Uh, with that said, we'll pitch it to our sponsors, and then we'll catch you guys after the turn. All right, so we are back. The Lakers are now 12-2. and two. They were handily in control of the OKC game, I feel like, before they went into complete snooze mode for a two-minute stretch in the fourth, in which the Thunder went on like a 11-0 run or something. Uh, LeBron got very turnover happy. Uh, Kuz got an eye abrasion this game that may force him to wear goggles. We'll see. That should be fun. 
Um, he was bleeding out of his right eye to the point where I thought he was going to start shooting Cyclops laser beams from his Dude, eye. Dude, I was actually pretty concerned that he like caused permanent damage to that eye when I saw the injury. Yeah. I'm glad it wasn't more serious. Oh, for sure. What else? Rondo threw some absolutely wild point god savant passes this game. I, I mentioned it to you offline, but... I think Rondo had like seven assists in the first half and he maybe had like four assists in the span of like a minute on consecutive possessions. And I mentioned to you that when Rondo can sort of get hot assisting the ball or passing the ball in the same way that a legitimate three-point shooter would would get hot and start raining down a bunch of threes, Rondo does the same thing but for passing. Like he had three consecutive elite bounce passes in the lane that went to Caruso, that went to LeBron James, and it was just super fun to watch. The last one obviously being that almost Dwayne Wade-like lob where he just kind of hoisted it, he lofted it over his shoulder, and LeBron James just caught it on the fast break. And uh, yeah, that first half of Rondo was incredible and, and super fun to watch. And, you know, he doesn't play defense, we already know that, but let us not forget how talented and spectacular... A point guard, Rajon Rondo, is in the history of the NBA, you know, and what what incredible vision he has. So that was really cool. KCP hit a clutch three. The biggest thing, Anthony Davis got back on track offensively thanks to more pick and rolls and the floor being spaced better for him to operate and do more of his perimeter-oriented, skilled big man things that he likes to do. Like I mentioned on Twitter, Anthony Davis is more Carl Towns than he is Joel Embiid, and I'm glad that Frank Vogel is realizing that and doing, making the proper adjustments to help facilitate um, Anthony Davis's best offensive games. Uh, and he kept true to his word from the Atlanta game when he struggled. But uh, what were some quick observations uh, from you with regards to this OKC Thunder game? OKC game, um, you know, OKC, they haven't won a road game yet this year, but they play hard. Um, Their team does not seem on paper and, like, the way it was constructed and, like, they basically had a fire sale, like, this summer. Like, and it's not like they were, I mean, they got Gallinari, they got Gilgis Alexander, they got a couple, they got Chris Paul, obviously. So they got, like, players. But I didn't expect that. I expected them to be, like, one of the bottom two teams in the entire league. Um, to be honest, but they play hard. They're one of the better defending teams in the league. And Dennis Schroeder had like a career high or something. <laughs> I, I mean, I know it wasn't yeah. literally a career high, but he could not miss. And he's usually like, I mean, he's usually good. Don't get me wrong. Like he's a good player, but not this good. Um, so despite all those factors, uh, you know, despite the fact that we let them shoot 47 and a half percent, which is atypical for our defense, you know, we came in, we brought the offensive energy. We are slowly becoming one of the better, like you said, one of the better offensive teams in the league. I think we're top 10, like you said, in offensive rating. We are about middle of the pack. I think we're 17th or 18th in three-point shooting percentage. I think we're actually slightly better as of the time we're recording this than the Clippers as a three-point shooting team. Um mm-hmm. Uh, other things that stood out, Anthony Davis, like you said, that Vogel made comments about how it's on him to get AD more involved. I think that's extremely true. And we saw the, and they're starting to learn how to activate AD a little bit more. Um, when you get this guy going in, um, in the early part of the game, everything just starts to click a lot better for him. He starts to make his threes. He starts to make his mid-range jumpers. It's, it even feels like he has better touch around the rim. Um, 
And it all depends on like him getting activated and getting started like early in games. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. We came in, we got some easy plays, pick and rolls, some, you know, uh, curls where he was coming around off of screens to catch it, uh, catch it deep in the paint, And, and that kind of got him going. And he just had an extremely dominant game on both ends, 34 points, seven rebounds, four assists, four steals, Oof. two blocks. It's just like insane. Right. Three so, threes. Um, and three threes, which is also insane. So yeah, it, it, just a, just a all around great game for him, which is nice to see. Yeah, what about that lob, that alley-oop that Rajon Rondo had to him, that laser pass uh, in between two Thunder players? That was disgusting. And that's one of those things, right? Activating Anthony Davis and knowing when to use Rajon Rondo with Anthony Davis because he's the one guy who pe- people said it on Twitter like they telepathically seem to <laughs> signal to each other when to run these crazy alley-oop plays that only them two can run. So um, did you have a problem with Rondo playing 27 minutes last night, Tommy? Uh, I did not. When he's playing effective like that, I play him the whole game. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, and he was fun. He pushed the pace and the Lakers are actually in the last week or so since Rondo and Kuz since Rondo came back and Kuz found his groove, they are now third in fast break points in that time span within a week. They're eighth overall. So that's the benefit that Rondo provides, not only giving LeBron James a rest from having to bring the ball up the court all the time, but he's just our most secure ball handler. And I actually like when Rajon Rondo, he has a tendency to also do some Lonzo Ballish type things and doesn't necessarily always need to pound the rock, you know, because he had some really nice quick bang bang laser whip passes to people where it was either in transition or he was just making quick decisions where he wasn't you know beating the air out of the ball and I think that's the type of Rajon Rondo that I love obviously he looked terrible defensively but I I get sick and tired of hearing people like complain about that because it's like we already know what we're gonna get from Rondo on the defensive end uh game 14 in an 82 game season you can bet Rajon Rondo is still not gonna try that much even though there's better accountability the the faint hope that we can cling on to is when it's playoff time, he'll maybe try a little bit harder. But overall, I'm just glad that he is alleviating the pressure off of LeBron James, and he's continuing to show that chemistry between him and Anthony Davis and even activating guys like Alex Caruso um, on top of it. And he had a really nice bullet pass to Caruso on the baseline for a three that I thought was actually an underrated pass on his end. Um, what else? So yeah, you mentioned the Lakers' three-point shooting. Um, They're actually 39%. They're shooting 39% in the last week. That makes them fifth in the league in that same time span from three-point land. Um, Obviously, that correlates with Kyle Kuzma and KCP shooting the lights out. Overall, like you mentioned, the Lakers are 18th in the league in three-point shooting. They're now shooting 34.2% from three-point land. Uh, A week ago, they were 25th in the league shooting like 31%. So it's been a huge improvement um, by the Mike Penberthy-led Lakers in that aspect. Um, Anything else to bring up with regards to this game that we haven't yet touched on? Um... Uh, nothing I could think of. Yeah, I mean, Dwight Howard was dynamic when he came in. He had that block into that follow-up jam. JaVale McGee actually had a pretty good game. I think he had four blocks, was pretty active. Yeah, and it's just the Lakers as usual. They just kind of fell asleep at the end there. Um, just going to chalk it up to them you know, losing intensity. And Anthony Davis mentioned that they just uh, were not as in sync and focused on the defensive end. And hopefully they'll treat 
the end of that game as a as a loss in terms of the sour taste in their mouth because they did not put it away as they should have. Because um, we play OKC again on Friday in OKC. Um, quickly to end this show, I'm just going to throw out a couple of stats, updated stats for the team. And we can also look at the schedule moving forward. Like I mentioned, the Lakers are number one still in defensive rating, 99.8. They are number nine in offensive rating, 109.6. They are third in net rating behind the Bucks and the Celtics. They are second in field goal percentage, just 0.1 behind the Miami Heat. They are second in points in the paint. The Memphis Grizzlies are number one, which is random. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) They are still first in blocks. Anthony Davis is leading the league in blocks with 3.1 a game. LeBron James is still leading the league in assists with 11.1. The Lakers rank number one in opponent points scored in the fourth quarter, holding teams to just 22.7 points. So I think that's a very impressive stat that they really put the clamps down when it matters. I actually was expecting that maybe their third quarter would be the highest defensive rating quarter in terms of them holding their opponents down, but it's actually the fourth quarter. They're only giving up 22 points a game in the fourth, so pretty impressive um one other one stat that annoys me that i'll bring up is um and it's gonna annoy me the whole season it's gonna annoy me in the playoffs you mentioned we're number two in the league in points in the paint despite being number two in the league in points in the paint and having lebron james and anthony davis on our roster we're bottom five in the league in free throw attempts the clippers Mm, yep and i know oh well the clippers have lou williams oh whatever they're shooting seven free throws more per game than we are. It, it's like unreal. I don't like. I don't know what the refs are calling this year. It, you know, we're twelve and two, so it's like, how can you complain? I know, like casual fans around the league are like, oh, Laker fans complaining about LeBron not getting calls, but look at the numbers. That's all I'm saying. Like this guy is playing. We're playing super aggressively. We're taking it into the paint so much, and we are somehow not shooting nearly as many free throws as. These guys, you know, these teams that have guys that are flopping around like fish 20 feet away from the basket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I guess some people will point to the fact that Anthony Davis hasn't been as aggressive and has been settling for jump shots and whatnot. But I agree with you. When he does go into the paint and he does get hacked, he tends to not get those foul calls, which probably discourages him from doing that. Um, But yeah, that is a trend, a bad trend to monitor moving forward. Another bad trend, not to end this on a sour note, is um, the Lakers rank second to last in opponents' fast break points, which I guess I'm I'm sure a lot of you probably suspected. They are giving up 17 points a game in transition. So that will be a common theme for the Lakers uh, this entire season, just getting back into, into transition and not taking bad shots and having the right spacing on the floor to cut down on those fast break buckets by opposing teams. And obviously turnovers are a big reason why opposing teams get out into transition. So even cutting down turnovers will help a lot. Um, Some positive trends with regards to individual players. Obviously asterisk Kyle Kuzma's night last night. He only had five points, was two of four from the field, hit that one long buzzer beating three from a Rajon Rondo pass before, uh, leaving the game because of the eye abrasion. Uh, in the last five games before last night, Kyle Kuzma was averaging 18 points, five rebounds on 50% shooting, 40, 47% three-point shooting, 91% from three. That's a 50-47-91 sort of stretch from <laughs> Kyle Kuzma. Um, including last night's game, he shot 16 of 35 from three. 
Um, unfortunately, last night's game snapped his five-game streak of hitting three plus threes a game. But overall, scorching stretch for Kyle Kuzma here, and hopefully Goggles Kuz won't be too um, affected by by that or won't affect his three-point shooting too much. Um, Tan, KCP, Contavious, Tanel, Caldwell-Pope, the last three games, 14 points, a 63% from the field, 54.5% from three, hitting two a game in only 26 minutes per game. So, good job, Tanny boy. Uh, Alex Caruso is shooting 6 of 15 from three the last few games. So, that is an encouraging trend because, man, he could not find the basket to save his life the first couple of games and I think he was starting to get discouraged with his own shot you saw teams leaving him wide open like he was Rajon Rondo and he had the mental fortitude to keep shooting through it and uh yeah honestly and yeah and I would say I give a lot of credit to the Vogel and the coaching staff on that one they you know like the players all have to learn each other the coaches have to learn their players too Caruso is theoretically a point guard I mean he just play point guard. He can play point guard. Um, he, he, you know, is a, has ball handling skills. He certainly can defend point guards. So I think instinctively you want to put him at the point guard spot. But if you look at his numbers, he shot amazingly from three last year, but he is horrendous shooting off the dribble, shooting, you know, as a ball handler in the pick and roll. Like he was all, it was all spot ups. And that was like a function of us playing him, um, uh, you know, a lot of the times with other guys who could handle. Um, right now, he is, we're mostly using him as effectively as like a backup two. Uh, we're playing him with Rondo, we're playing him with Quinn Cook, we're playing him with LeBron. So he is catching the ball a lot more as a spot up shooter. And I think that's part of um, the reason for his success. Yeah. Also, I'd like to mention that one trend that I've liked from. This isn't Alex Caruso related, but with regards to KCP, when he's cutting off ball and that's his only assignment, he's really good. You know, he he's shown his layup package the past couple of games, and it's almost like he's overcompensating after the terrible layup attempts he's had before the Dwight Howard Instagram comment. But uh, yeah, he's just been playing the right way, making things and keeping things simple. His off-ball cutting has been incredible, and uh, yeah, he's finishing really well, scoopy doing it up and everything, and being fancy with it. So, you know, props to KCP. So the schedule looking forward, um, we're going to really learn about this Lakers team in the next few weeks, and especially as December starts. Um, our next few games, while they're on the road, they're against some pretty easy opponents, or at least opponents with bad you know, regular season records up until this point. Play OKC again on Friday. Then we play Memphis on Saturday in a back-to-back. I feel like we're going to probably lose one of those games. I don't know if it's going to be the Memphis one, but it seems like the Lakers are due for a letdown game. And on the road, anything happens. The crowd gets hyped up. The other players get hyped up. We'll see what happens there. Um, and then after that, we play the Spurs on the road, and they have been losing like crazy. They lost again to the Wizards. I, just, I hope, I hope the Spurs. So the Spurs play the Knicks this weekend. Just give them one win, dude. Please <laughs> let them beat the win. Let them beat the Knicks because they're not going to lose ten games in a row. And we would be playing. They've lost seven in a row. Philly, they're probably going to lose two. That'd be eight. Knicks would be nine if they somehow lose that, and then we'd be ten. I, I cannot see a universe where Greg Popovich loses ten in a row, so let them beat the Knicks, so hopefully we can uh, 
get a team that's not playing in complete god mode to save their season. Yeah, and every team already comes out with their best shot against the Lakers anyways, so you don't need that extra clipboard, bulletin board material. Uh, after the Spurs, ghosts of young cores past, the New Orleans Pelicans and Brandon Ingram. We'll see if Lonzo Ball is going to actually suit up, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's well, that, that just hurt. Josh Hart hurt, I think. Yeah. B.I. just came back last game, but he, he might be gone soon. Who knows? It's unfortunate, but hopefully some of them or a lot of them are playing that game. And then we come back home to play the Wizards and then the Mavericks. So that ends our quote-unquote easier stretch, even though that's four games on the road. I think the Lakers have to go at least four and two. Wouldn't you agree in this stretch? In the next uh, six yeah. games? Yeah, I think, I mean, barring significant injury, right? Knock on wood. Like, you think worst case they go four and oh, or sorry, four and two. They split the, they split the back to back. Maybe they lose like the Dallas game, or maybe they lose like one of the um, other road games. Uh, and and but the other ones, you know, you figure they're they're very winnable. I mean. All six are winnable because we're the number one team in the NBA right now. But, you know, like you said, we can't expect that we're going to go 12 out of every 14 to, for the rest of the season. Um, so four and two would be, would be great during this stretch. And like you said, maybe even necessary because after that, we go on a really, really tough stretch. Yeah. And I'm sort of glad that Avery Bradley is experiencing his injury rose right now because we're going to need him for that tougher stretch, you know? And uh, luckily we might have him back by the time we play maybe the Mavericks at the end of this uh, easier schedule here. Uh, Here's the end. Here's December at Denver at jazz back to back. That is a death trap. Yikes. (laughs) Um, That's, that's going to be a loss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, At Portland, at Portland, who always beats us yes, even when we're yes. the best team in the NBA. So Dude, that's going to be tough. That's the mellow, mellow man Portland Trailblazers. Uh, yeah. Mellow's going to gonna drop 45 that night. Exactly. And then yeah. we play Minnesota at home. That's our one you know day back or one night back at Staples. And then we go on a five-game road trip. The Magic, the Heat, the Hawks, the Indiana Pacers. By that point, Oladipo may be back. And then we play the Bucks after the Pacers. And then our reward for Yikes. all of that, after going on that road trip, we get to play the Denver Nuggets and the Clippers, and that leads us into Christmas. So strap up, buckle your seatbelts, uh, hope the Lakers are ready. I would prefer that they go 5-1 and one in these next six games so that they can have uh, as large a buffer as possible. But yeah, we're going to learn a lot about this team and how number one they actually are. Uh, with that said, I think that'll do it for our episode. Tommy, any other last thoughts or anything? I know. That's all I have. Great. So Thanksgiving is next week. Hope everybody uh, has an easier work week to close. As usual, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, yada, yada, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Yeah. And we will catch you guys next time. Tommy. Peace. Laters.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.